Uh, got out coached, got out played today. They were a hungry team. Um, he knew that they were capable of this. He'd seen it on tape. And uh, it, was, it was not good enough in any, any phase, coaching, playing, in any of our three phases that we have today. Welcome in to the Who Day Den. A tough loss for the Cincinnati Bengals as they fall to the New York Jets in New York. 34-31. to 31. A tough loss to accept. Uh, a game that coming in, the Bengals were heavily favored to win. The Bengals were coming off the huge win last week against Baltimore. This was a week where the Bengals were the talk of the town in Cincinnati, and even the national media was picking up on Cincinnati, and it felt like things were turning a little bit in our favor. Um, we get some national media love, and then this clunker of a game. And it's hard. It's a hard loss to to accept because... I mean, one, if you're a good team that has playoff aspirations, which I think the Bengals at this point of the season still do, you're you're expected to take care of business against the bad teams. We we worried a little bit maybe against Detroit that that was a trap game. Um, and, and could they be looking ahead to Baltimore and overlook Detroit? And instead, they, they, they struggled a little bit early offensively in that game. But in the end, they dominated the game um, against the Lions. I I didn't think that was going to be the case this game, that they would come out flat necessarily because they'd already shown that they were going to be prepared against Detroit. And and I, I really thought they would take care of business again today, but they didn't. And, and that's one that's going to hurt a little bit when you look back at the end of the season. If we're in a position where we're clawing for a playoff spot and you look back and think the what-ifs, this is one of those games where the what-ifs are going to creep up potentially. And I think secondly, it's really difficult after this win because this has a familiar feeling for fans, at least, right? If you've rooted for the Bengals for any amount of time, losing a game that you think you should win um, in heartbreaking fashion, isn't something that we are immune to by any means. And I think that the team falling flat like that and having that clunker, we know as fans that the media in general and even some some fans that um aren't as uh thick-skinned are, are going to be quick to go back to this is the same old Bengals, this is the same old bungles team that's going to you know we we crown them too soon and and they still have a lot to prove and in one sense we do have a lot to prove still sitting at five and three i just i don't think we can gloss over how bad this loss was all around but I also don't think it's the end of the world. I'm seeing a lot of takes out there that have this being, you know, the worst loss since the playoff loss against the Steelers. And I don't, I mean, this is an ugly loss, but I don't feel that way. Um, And maybe it's a good thing though, that some fans feel this way because when you have low expectations from the last few years, getting 400 yards uh, rushing against you last year against Baltimore uh, was kind of just numbing, you know, didn't really hurt too bad. But now that we've got these expectations and we think we're supposed to win games, I can understand why it hurts as much maybe as a, as a playoff loss. I'm not there personally. It was ugly, but it's not to say it's an inconsequential loss, inconsequential loss. Uh, we dropped from the one seed in the AFC, which again, we're not even technically halfway through the season playing eight of 17 games now. But still, last week we were talking about how at that point we were the number one seed in the AFC. And, you know, I would say probably like week 12, 13, somewhere around there. 
is where you start really probably paying attention to playoff uh, seedings and things like that. But it was still fun to say, hey, we're the number one seed in the AFC. Now, if you look at the playoff picture, we jump, dropped from number one to number six. And, you know, if you you don't really want to think like this, but if you if you lose next week against Cleveland, now how you've dropped from where you were to now being out of the playoff picture. Um, speaking of Cleveland, they lost today to the Pittsburgh Steelers. So there was an opportunity for us to gain a game on them in the division. Uh, granted, whoever won that game um, was also going to you know, take a take a divisional win for the AFC North. But one of those teams had to lose and we were either going to pick up another game on Pittsburgh or we we're going to pick up a game on Cleveland. I was really hoping that Pittsburgh would win, um, considering that I, I don't think they're as big of a threat to us as Cleveland is for this season. And we already have one head-to-head win against Pittsburgh. And hopefully we will have two by the end of the season. And Cleveland loses and the Bengals lose and, and miss out on that opportunity. And also if you look at... I, I looked at the data from the last decade. You could go back over far you wanted. I always use StatHead for this. Love the website. If you go back and look, teams that started 6-2, and two, 89% of the time, those teams went on to make the playoffs. 89% of the time, you've got a handful of them that kind of crumbled down the stretch and didn't make the playoffs. There were actually a couple in there, I think, that still finished 10-6, and six, but missed out on the playoffs in, a, in, I guess, a strong year where you need 11 wins or more to make the playoffs. But now sitting at 5-3, and three, over the last decade, only 57% of the teams that start 5-3 and three make the playoffs. To go from 89% of the teams to 57%, that's quite the drop-off. So this was a big game. Not the end of the world, but not great. And we've got those old feelings creeping in. Hopefully, though, those are only creeping in for the fans. And it's not something that's taking place in the locker room. And I don't think it is. I don't think it is when you think about the culture that Zach Taylor has instilled there. And and this isn't this team doesn't have a lot of players that were here for the last five years that know what typical Bengals losses used to feel like. Like Trey Hendrickson doesn't know what typical Bengals losses used to be. Joe Burrow even doesn't really know what the typical Bengals losses used to be. So I, I just, I'm not really concerned about that. For I think it's more of a fan perspective than it is for the locker room. All in all, sitting at five and three about halfway through the season. What do we actually take away from this game though? Well, for one, offensively, it was another slow start. The first quarter was really, really gross. When you look at the numbers, down seven to nothing at the end of the first quarter, score wise, you know, big deal, one touchdown. But you had two first downs in the entire first quarter. You ran nine plays and picked up seven yards. Nine plays, seven yards, 0.8 yards per play. Unbelievable. Negative three rushing yards in the first quarter. We forced two New York turnovers in the first quarter and come away with zero points um, in the opening there. Time of possession dominated. Ten and a half minutes for New York, four and a half minutes for us. Any way you look at it, we were we were really manhandled in that first quarter. And it was unfortunate because with those two turnovers, that's a golden opportunity for your offense to score points, get on the board, and pad a lead a little bit there early against a rookie quarterback making his first start in Mike White. Maybe your defense isn't able to pin their ears back, um, get aggressive out there, you know, make him force some throws. And instead, into the first quarter, the Jets have to feel pretty good about being up by a touchdown, even after having turned the ball over twice. 
and pretty much shutting us down from the offensive standpoint. Now, the offense did, you know, pick things up a little bit later. The, again, that was just too many missed opportunities. You look at the second possession of the game for the Bengals to, off of the Jesse Bates interception to get the ball at the one yard line and to go backwards 14 yards and get no points. It's unforgivable. It's not just bad. It's unforgivable for a an NFL offense to be unable to get a yard. I'm not going to put all of it on the play calling. You know, when things don't work out, we should say, oh, you know, we can say they should have snuck. They should have run a quarterback sneak. They should have done the play action. They should have whatever you want to say. At the end of the day, they're trying to run the ball with Mixon, who we we believe is to be, you know, one of the better running backs in the AFC. We know he's good. The offensive line just wasn't getting any push. Mixon was consistently dodging, guys, trying to dodge guys almost as soon as he touched the ball in the backfield. I don't really have an issue with Zach Taylor saying go for it on fourth down. You're at the one yard line, two yard line, whatever it was at that point. You would expect your offense to be able to get it. And you know your defense has played well this season. You would have expected them to be able to to to, to get a stand. And they did. Even, even after we turned the ball over on downs, next possession, another interception for the Bengals puts us in good field position again. So unfortunately, they came away with zero points. But really didn't give New York any points by going for it there, not getting it. Yeah, you know, in a three-point game, you look back and say, oh, if you would have kicked the field goal, it would have been tied. But I think it was a good call to go for it, just the team didn't execute. And then to have three turnovers from your defense today and all and only get 10 points off of those turnovers isn't enough. I mean, yes, that's two scores off of the three turnovers, but like I said, one of them, you got it down to the one-yard line. So that one's like... You should you should have basically have been counting that one as returning it for a touchdown, um, and, and you didn't get points off that one, and then you got a touchdown and a field goal off the other two turnovers. It just wasn't enough. Averaging two and a half yards per carry, not enough. Not going to cut it for an entire game. Today felt different to me. Um, it, it wasn't just bad play calling. It wasn't just lack of execution, which is something we've we've seen before in games. This was a team that seemed flat that lacked urgency on either side of the ball that seemed like they were just kind of going through the motions and it made it hard to watch. And I know others, I've seen others mention, you know, maybe they've, they've looked flat earlier in the year against Chicago and Jacksonville. I guess, you know, that's kind of a subjective term. I don't, I don't look at those games and say that the team lacked energy or lacked any urgency or anything. They just didn't execute. That was, there's a lot of things in those games, especially the Chicago game was really a play calling issue. The Jacksonville game was just not executing offensively three and outs and whatever it may be. And, and maybe maybe this one feels more egregious because it was both sides of the ball struggling at different times in those games. The offense was struggling and the defense was, for the most part, holding up their end of the deal and keeping us in those games. And this one was. The other way around, the offense really struggled in the first quarter. Again, they got things going, but then the defense was the the main culprit that struggled out of the gate and really never recovered throughout the duration of this game. I think that's the most frustrating thing about the game against the Jets is just the lack of adjustments defensively. I mean, you, execution, of course, like Lou can't make the tackles himself. He's He's calling the plays in, but he can't make the tackles, but all season... This defense has been, you know, really priding themselves on keeping everything in front of them. We've seen plenty of uh, eight yard completions over the middle of the field and then immediately be tackled, um, whether it's in front of the linebacker or whatever it may be. 
the team, I, I would say other than like the Packers game, we got beat deep a few times in the Packers game. Devontae Adams, though, is one of, if not the best receiver in football. So, you know, kind of expected there. But other than that, we haven't been getting beat with huge explosive plays. And so as a result, I think we've seen some running backs run up numbers catching the ball against us. Uh, against running backs as pass catchers, Minnesota, their running backs had 11 catches for 71 yards. Pittsburgh, 15 for 105. Of course, that was the game where Big Ben's dumping it down to Najee Harris all game. Green Bay, 9 for 60. Uh, Detroit and Baltimore each had six catches out of their backfield for 40-plus yards. Nothing major. And then today, the Jets, 14 catches, 166 yards for their running backs. 14 receptions. They had 20 of the 45 pass attempts went to their running backs. We're not talking about Christian McCaffrey. We're not talking about prime Todd Gurley, Saquon Barkley. We're talking about Michael Carter and Ty Johnson. A 44% target share to their running backs. At some point, you have to adjust, right? The defense was getting beat with screens, um, something that, funny enough, I mentioned it last week that we did a good job against Lamar of getting upfield, especially Hubbard, would get upfield on his pass rush, but was kind of hanging out because he knew Lamar could take off at any time, and, and he was able to nip some of those in the bud early on. Today, we were getting upfield quickly, and it was playing right into the Jets' hands with the screen game. We got killed on the screen game today, not to mention all the trick plays they ran. I mean... You look at that, that was two teams playing two completely different games. New York, nothing to lose. What do they have to lose? They're playing with a backup quarterback. They're supposed to lose this game by double digits against the number one team in the AFC at the time. The Bengals were the hot team. The Jets were bad. They're expected to lose this game. They're running trick plays out the wazoo. We got flea flickers. The flea flicker, I thought, was a broken play because the snap was weird. It's like the snap was made, and it looked like some of the linemen didn't move. I thought maybe there's going to be a penalty of some sort. And then I thought it was like, I don't know. It was weird. Then I thought it was like a, like toss it to the running back who then tossed it back to the quarterback. I thought, cause he thought he was going to get tackled on the backfield. And I'm like, Oh, this is great. Cause this is just a broken play. And instead it's a flea flicker gains positive yardage. Um, they ran a few weird ones, the Philly special to get the two point conversion. They had nothing to lose in the Bengals. I wouldn't say the Bengals played up tight. It wasn't the opposite in that way that they, they played up tight, but they just played like they were going through the motions and there was just no adjustment. And maybe, you know, those swing passes, the screens and whatever it is, those are okay against Pittsburgh when you've built up a lead and Ben Roethlisberger is checking down short of the sticks on fourth down. Sure. Dump it off to Najee Harris 15 times when you're down by 14 in the fourth quarter. Sure, we'll, we'll make the tackles and, and make you punt the ball. But to miss tackle after tackle after tackle on the Ty Johnson touchdown late in the game that made it 31 to 26 Bengals, there were three missed tackles. It goes down as like a, I think a 19 or 29 yard, I can't, I can't remember, uh, touchdown. I think it was a 19 yard touchdown pass. It really wasn't a 19 yard pass. It was a very short pass. Ty Johnson, three. I can't even say he forced three missed tackles. It'll be interesting. I don't know how PFF does their defining of some of these things. Like missed tackles forced is one of their metrics that they they use, I believe. I don't think that the running backs were forcing these missed tackles. The Bengals just were 
launching with shoulders and not wrapping up and trying to make arm tackles as the ball carriers running by them. It was weird. It was a lack of effort and focus. I don't know what else you call missed tackles. If it's Derrick Henry running over you, that's a little bit different. That's a little bit different. If it's DeAndre Swift in the open field making you miss because he gives you a shimmy, that's different. But to just have these guys, and no offense to the Michael Carters and Ty Johnsons of the world, but you're Michael Carter and Ty Johnson. You're not one of the best running backs in the league. What else do you call missed tackles over and over and over and over? It's lack of effort and lack of focus. And again, Lou can't get out there and and make those tackles. I don't know what adjustments we could have made. Blitzing more wouldn't have helped necessarily because that's where we're getting killed in the screen game. The offensive line wants you to blow by them so that they can dump it off quickly and they can get in front of the ball carrier and block down the field. I don't I don't know what the answer was. Making tackles would have definitely helped. <laughs> if you look at Mike White's air yards per pass attempt, this is from NFL's Next Gen Stats. Air yards per pass attempt. So how many yards were Mike White's passes traveling in the air when when he dropped back to throw? On average, 4.1 air yards per pass attempt. By far the lowest of any quarterback this week. If you're not familiar with the stat, you don't know what's a good number, good or a bad number. For perspective, Jared Goff. Just played him in Detroit a couple weeks ago. He's a check down king. He was sitting at 6.4 air yards per pass attempt. Big Ben, we know that at this point of his career, he typically is checking it down a lot, taking the easy short passes. He was at seven air yards per pass attempt. Burrow at seven and a half this week. Mike White, 4.1. It was a dink and dunk game, game plan. They worked over and over and over and over. And the adjustments were not being made. Uh, the tackles weren't being made. It, that's what I think made it so hard to watch that we just saw the same thing all game long. And you're sitting on the couch saying, I know what they're going to do. I'm not worried about Denzel Mims or Keelan Cole or Jamison Crowder beating me deep and making a big play like we were maybe with Green Bay and Devontae Adams or you know some of these other receivers we've faced. Justin Jefferson in week one, Adam Thielen. Those are guys you worry about making big plays against you. We're not worried about those guys. We're saying, hey, we got to cover these running backs out of the backfield. And over and over and over again, 14 times, they caught the ball out of the backfield. Made, I don't even want to say made guys miss. We missed tackles. And then they were able to convert first downs and score touchdowns. And Dwayne McFarland tweeted after the game, um, he works with PFF, that Mike White, he talked about his average depth of target being low, 63% of Mike White's yards came after the catch. 63% of his 400 plus yards came after catch. He was dumping the ball down <laughs> and and the ball carriers were doing all the hard work and our defense was helping him by continually missing tackles. A frustrating loss, but for me I I don't think it's doom and gloom. I'm I'm not concerned long term after this one game this is still a five and three team now granted the the playoff odds go way down from six and two to five and three as i mentioned earlier but if it you told me at the beginning of the year the Bengals will be five and three going into november i'm happy i predicted them for six to seven wins so of course at five and three i'm pretty happy i would say even if you predicted them for 10 or 11 wins they're about on pace for that you have to be pretty happy now, I wouldn't have guessed that the Chicago Bears and New York Jets were two of the teams we lost to, but 
five to three, five and three, nonetheless. All right, we'll we'll take it. I also think some of the things that we saw today aren't things that we've seen all season. So assuming that we don't see them manifest themselves again next week against Cleveland, it kind of feels like an outlier of a week. The team was flat. They were lackadaisical. I don't feel like I've seen that this season. Now, I mentioned others might might say they were flat in other games. I would argue that that was more of a lack of execution. I didn't ever feel like they weren't prepared for a game like I did today. They also, again, they failed to score from the one-yard line. The Bengals with Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Auden Tate, who's even a weapon, C.J. Uzama, who's been a weapon this year, didn't score from the one-yard line. Got zero points. I don't think that that's going to happen very often this season. The Bengals went plus two in the turnover department. They haven't done that much in the Zach Taylor era, honestly. Um, coming in today, they were 2-0-1 when they generated, uh, or where they were plus two in turnover margin. They forced three turnovers today, which we expected they would against a team that turns the ball over a lot and was starting a rookie quarterback. They lost today after forcing three turnovers. I don't think if our defense forces three turnovers that we're going to lose many games, especially if our if our offense is putting up 30-plus points. If you would have said the offense was sputtering and we lost the game 17 to 10 because we couldn't score points and, and we still had three turnovers, that's one thing. To force three turnovers and still give up over 500 yards is is bonkers. I just I don't think that that's something this defense is going to do regularly. And as bad as the offense was in the first quarter, I know we would love to see the offense put it together for four full quarters. And we felt like we really saw that last week and it was a drubbing of Baltimore. And you saw 40 plus points on the board. We still scored 30 plus points this week in basically three quarters. We didn't do anything in that first quarter. I talked about 0.8 yards per play. They didn't do anything. They didn't score in the first quarter. They looked bad and then put up 30 plus points in three quarters. We know the offense is explosive. We we that 30 point mark was our magic number for whatever reason as fans. You wanted to see them score 30 plus. They finally did. They've now done it three times in the last three weeks is that right Detroit Baltimore and now this week it didn't result in a win but the offense scored and they scored on about half of their drives uh, which is pretty good (laughs) pretty good to score on half of your drives again you you would hope that the one at the one yard line you would have punched in it is what it is but the offense is is kind of coming together it wasn't as flashy I guess of a performance today Jamar Chase was held in check a little bit good to see T Higgins get going Tyler Boyd involved um, explosive play from Tyler Boyd passing the ball. How about that to Joe Mixon on the trick play? So the offense is kind of coming around. Um, today was just a defensive collapse. It was a defensive collapse from a defense that has been really good all season long. I mean, you'd love to have the Chicago game back and say we we, sh- we should have won that game. But what if that comes at the expense of Minnesota? Instead of winning that game, Dalvin Cook doesn't fumble. They kick the field goal and they win. And we'd love to have this game and we should have beat New York. But hey, what if that comes at the expense of Jacksonville? Instead of us driving down the field, kicking the field goals, time expires. The game goes to overtime and we lose that game. You know, we lost a couple of games here that I feel like we should have beat those teams. But we've also, you know, we played pretty well against Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. That was surprising to me at the time um, in a big win. To beat Baltimore like we did in Baltimore, that was a surprising win. We'll take it. 
we we lucked out on the on the win against Minnesota in week one. So we've caught some breaks this year. Five wins is five wins. Three losses is three losses right now. I don't see any alarming trends necessarily that I'm super concerned about. I'd say coming out of this game, most concerned about Jackson Carmen's health. Um, looked to be his back that he was holding uh, as he came off the field. I'm hopeful that that's not a long-term issue. It'll be interesting if it is something that keeps him out. We have a bye week coming up after Cleveland. So will they keep him out against Cleveland if he's not 100%? Give him that extra week to heal up. If so, it will be Trey Hill starting at right guard most likely and being challenged against a pretty good defensive line in Cleveland. But we know that in the NFL, uh, any given week, right? Any given week. Tennessee is sitting at 6-2 and two right now. They lost to the New York Jets earlier this year. I bet they'd love to have that game back. Baltimore needed a 66-yard field goal to beat Detroit. Now, they won that game, but they kind of got lucky. A 66-yard field goal, as time expires, they almost lost to Detroit. This week, week eight, a team that had scored 14 or fewer points in four of their six games put up 34 points on a defense that had surrendered just 17 to Baltimore. Just 22 points in regulation to Green Bay. And this week they put up 34. Weird stuff happens in the NFL. Ben Baby tweeted after the game, uh, stats via ESPN Stats Info. Coming in today, the Jets were 0-38 over the last five seasons when trailing by 11-plus points in the fourth quarter. 0-38 over the last five seasons when trailing by 11-plus in the fourth quarter. Today, of course... Down double digits in the fourth quarter. They come back and beat the Cincinnati Bengals. And the Bengals, I, I was trying to find this stat before I, I hit record, but I, I couldn't find it. Um, couldn't figure out how to navigate stat. Had to give me what I needed there. But for the Bengals to have double digit leads two different times in this game and blow both of them, I, I have to imagine that doesn't happen very often. 17-7 lead in the first half. And then, of course, in the fourth quarter, a 31-20 to lead. They score that touchdown. The Joe Burrow pass to Tyler Boyd with seven and a half minutes left. You have a 31 to 20 lead. And before you know it, New York comes back, takes the lead, obviously wins the game. So is it's a weird game. All right. It's a weird game. We lost. I think we move on from it. I'm not I'm not really sure why Bengals wins. I'm guessing it's just the years of um being a little bit calloused with the the losses we've experienced and the type of losses we've experienced but honestly i'm just not there and i tweeted last week after the game which it was you know fun to tweet good stats last week uh, after the win against baltimore after uh, week seven there were five teams in the nfl that were top 10 in both scoring offense and scoring defense it was the bills the buccaneers the cardinals the rams and the Bengals. i said this team currently sits among the elite tier of teams seven weeks into the season. Well, wouldn't you know, even after giving up 30-plus points to the New York Jets, the Bengals still sit there in the top 10 in scoring defense. And hey, 31 points from the offense obviously helps our scoring average for the season. Still sitting top 10 in scoring offense. This is still a good team. This is still a good team that suffered a bad loss. And Really, as a Bengals fan, I think we should be excited to see how we respond. I think we should be hopeful and and optimistic that this team will respond ticked off. They lost a game that they know they shouldn't have lost. They know that it was a major opportunity to move to six and two, stack up some wins against some 
less talented teams before the schedule gets a little bit tighter and they miss that opportunity. And you can only hope that the defense takes this personally. I think, you know, Mike Hilton tweeted after the game, his displeasure with the call. And I I didn't, you know, the reason I didn't want to highlight that on the podcast is, is it's unfortunate because when that helmet to helmet hit gets called, first of all, it's a bad call. It's a terrible call. I don't understand it between the targeting in college football and how that's sometimes called and sometimes not called what's targeting, what's not an ejection versus it. It's just weird. And in the NFL, it was supposed to be a point of emphasis like two years ago. I think it was two years ago. Supposed to be a point of emphasis that whoever lowers the head to initiate contact should be penalized. And that was on both sides of the ball, right? Well, how often do you see an offensive player get called? For lowering their helmet literally never never does an offensive ball carrier get called for a personal foul for lowering their helmet they do it all the time they use their helmets as battering rams as they always have in the game of football and the penalty never gets called and it rarely gets called on the defense unless it's an egregious over the middle lowered the helmet out of control spearing somebody you know what hit i'm talking about right was Mike Hilton's hit that? Because I didn't see it. <laughs> and if you read Twitter, fans of the team, fans of the NFL that don't care about the Bengals, all agree. Awful call. Uh, NFL officiating, uh, Gene Serator, whatever his role is now, where he does the replay guy, he used to be a ref, whatever. He tweets about how it wasn't a good call. Everybody knows it wasn't a good call. And what really stinks about that is, did you, did you have any doubt that we were going to win that game if we got the ball back keep in mind we didn't have the lead when that play when when that uh penalty was called we would have gotten the ball back with probably about a minute 50 left two timeouts down by three i mean that's kind of exciting as a Bengals fan like i feel like we have that quarterback now we have that team now where i'm like don't give the ball back to joe burrow because we're going to win this game and and it shouldn't have come down to that. So I didn't want to spend too much time talking about it, but it was an awful penalty call, but hopefully that ignites the defense a little bit. I I think that the leaders we have on this team, Hilton, Jesse Bates, those guys are going to take it personally that this type of this offensive output that the jets put forth, the New York jets, one of the worst offensive teams in the entire NFL starting a rookie quarterback and not a rookie quarterback taken in the top five, a no-name rookie quarterback, sorry, Mike White and family, throws for 400 yards on you, you have to take that personally. You give up 32 first downs to the Jets. 32 first downs tells me this team was just marching down the field on you. There were no chunk plays, 50 yards here, 30 yards. There he was, 8 yards, then 6 yards. 7 yards, then 9 yards, 10 yards. They marched down the field. They put up 500 plus total yards against you. This defense will take it personally, I think. I think Joe Burrow knows that this is a huge game. The whole team knows it's a big game coming up against Cleveland. Imagine being 6-3, and 3-0 and in the division, going into your bye week. You'd feel really good about that, especially the 3-0 and in the division part. So a big game and seeing how they respond is going to be huge in determining how really the rest of this season goes and how we view this team will we look at this jets game as a turning point for our season for the worst we lost a game we shouldn't have lost maybe we lose back to back then to cleveland 
can't get things sorted out, things spiral a little bit? Or is it a turning point that we lost a game we weren't supposed to lose, the team responds with a major win, and you go into the bye at 6-3? and three? I'm excited to see how the game plays out. I really hope, out of all the teams we play, that we beat the Cleveland Browns because I don't like their fans. I don't like the their quarterback. Um, I don't think he's good. I won't say I dislike him necessarily. He's fine, whatever. He's a little um, theatrical and whatever, but he, it's fine. I just mean I don't like him as like I wouldn't want him as a quarterback as my of my team. I don't think he's that great, uh, and so I'm really, really hoping that we shut them down. We will have a Browns preview episode. I am not in Disney World this week. I am back in reality. Oh, there goes gravity, and uh, we will have that episode sometime this week. And hopefully this team responds with a win. Still five and three, guys. Still right there in the thick of things, in the playoff picture, halfway through the season. Don't give up hope, everyone. We're in this one together. Until next time, hootie.